Hello and welcome to Speak Female, the podcast that is on a mission to empower, coach and educate women and allies around the world to become more confident, knowledgeable and to have the opportunity to listen to real subjects they can either relate to or learn something from. This season is all about female empowerment and leadership. So at the end of each interview, I will be reading out a quote that has been selected by my guest. I'm your host, Lucy Grimwade, professional development coach, senior IT manager, and of course, podcaster. You'll now find that in between the episodes, you'll have access to five minute coaching hosted by me. If you'd like to find out more about Speak Female and coaching, you can connect with me across all social media platforms or email me coaching at lucygrimwades.com. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm joined by Yaz Belez-Taylor. She is working in a tech consultancy and has been in there for seven years. Today she joins me as we talk about what it's like being a woman in a sales environment, looking at women in tech and how we can inspire women in the workplace. Yaz, welcome to Speak Female. Hi, hi Lucy. It's lovely to see you. How are you? Really well. I'm so happy that you have joined me today on this episode. Yeah, really, really excited to be here actually. I wanted to ask you because you are a female in a sales role, which actually tends to be a lot more, how can I say this, more male dominated, a bit like tech and you're in tech as well. So it's kind of a sales role within the tech space in recruitment space. I wondered if you could talk me through that experience. Yeah, so I guess just sort of a little bit of background about about me. You know, I I kind of was was born and raised in Brighton. Um, you know, was always sort of interested in in science and technology um, from a really young age, uh, and joined um, a tech consultancy about seven years ago. Um, and since then, it's you know been a really great experience, sort of you know being in being in sales um, and also you know being a woman in technology. Uh, but there definitely have been challenges I think around that as well I think um one of the great things about being in the role that I'm in is that you get to to kind of really help other people and and inspire people who want to start their careers Um, so it's a really rewarding role Um, but at the same time as you mentioned you know it is quite a naturally male-dominated industry so you there is a sort of a, a little bit of stigma that goes around it and you know often a bit of um Kind of tradition often there's sort of traditional ways that people tend to approach sales that maybe are more fitting towards men um and so I think that you do have to uh, you have to sort of find what works for you and you have to I think find the, the right sort of sales approach that works for you as a woman um I think there's it, it is really changing now um I mean I think kind of go back years ago it was all about kind of you know kind of wooing people and taking them out for drinks and you know I think actually that that's really changing now it's it's more about um you know people buy buy into buy into you but also you know what you're selling so yeah I think it's um I think it is a really changing environment but it's a really exciting environment to be in as a as a woman um but I think yeah I feel quite lucky that I'm in you know a good company that is very inclusive as well and that has a lot of you know kind of good female role models um but you know unfortunately I think there there is a lot there is still quite a way to go as well you think that there's still a stereotype that females in kind of male type roles I want to say that have to be you know I'm going to use this word now and I hate it but have to be more (laughs) aggressive 
I think there is a little bit of that, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the kind of traditional type of sales people think of kind of car salesmen. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think actually sales has just come such a long way from that. I think, you know, the most important thing about being a, a salesperson is about being able to build a good relationship and a trusting relationship and not sort of be able to, to you know, force something down someone's throat when they don't want it. Um, so I think that, women can be naturally more empathetic I think a lot of the time and I really think that's how you you win over people and that's really how you you get people to buy into what you do because you form good relationships um I think that yeah there definitely has been sort of times where maybe you know I felt like I, I have needed to be more aggressive or more pushy but I think the most important thing in anything that you do is just to be true to yourself and who you are. And if you're not a naturally aggressive person, then that's that's not really going to work because people are kind of going to see through that. Um, so, yeah, I think personally, what I found that's worked is just to be warm and friendly towards people. And that's really how you kind of get their buy and you get their trust. Um, and I, I think there is much more of a shift away from that sort of aggressive type of sales, you know, to something which is you're not more a lot more open and a lot more trusting and I think essentially you get you get people to you get people who, who work with you long term you build that long-term relationship which I think if especially if you want to do well over you know over five ten years in, in a sales career I think it's really key yeah I'm kind of hearing there from you about being authentic yeah 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 I really really like that yeah I think so I think what I've kind of realized is that everyone has a different way of doing business. There's no one right way of, of selling to someone or, um, you know, or, or yeah, there's, there's no sort of one pitch that you can use. I think no matter what you're selling, you know, whether it's in my case, you know, working for a consultancy and selling services, or, you know, if you're selling beauty products or if you're selling a car, um, you know, there's different things that are going to work for different people depending on, on, on your client base. Um, and I think what's what's really worked in, in my case is, yeah, just I think being being yourself and um, and, you know, trying to, I guess, teach others in a way that, you know, you can say this is how, how what's worked for me, but also letting them develop themselves and finding their own way of, of, of you know, being being the best salesperson they can. Yeah. And you just said as well around the, you know, the car salesman. And I wonder if there's some still stereotypes in younger generations around and, and I'm saying this because a friend of ours has a son and he's like oh when I'm older I want to be a car salesman because he loves cars <laughs> and I think that's that's lovely but at the same time I wonder if there's anything that we need to do um as a generation of people now growing into a modern I'm saying that in air quotes to change the view because some women might want to be a car car saleswoman it's like how a salesperson. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think, I, I think, you know, especially in the media, you do see a lot of things, you know, take something like Wolf of Wall Street, for example. And, and I think a lot of people look at that and think, you know, that's obviously quite a few years ago, but that, that is sort of what that traditional salesman role looks like. Um, and I think that more sort of women need to be a lot more vocal about what they do because it then attracts other people to work in the same sort of industry um I think that there'll always be you know some roles where that kind of maybe slightly more aggressive you know sales pitch work does work really well 
Um, but I think more and more people don't really want that. Um, I think something that I found really interesting, even over the last sort of five, seven years of being in this role, um, is that, you know, I think a while ago it used to be a lot about, you know, taking people out for drinks and sort of wooing them and everything that's almost sort of outside of work. <laughs> that was almost kind of where you built the relationships and that was really key. Um, whereas I think now that is changing a little bit. Um, and I think it's it's less about, you know, having to, you know, sort of put your best self forward and sort of be the face of a business if you're the woman. And actually, you know, you can be very authentic and you can develop really good relationships without having to, you know, take people out for drinks in the evening. And I think, you know, they, they buy into your product and what you do, because I think you, you know, if you have that confidence and you believe in, believe in yourself and what you do, then you don't necessarily need always to do that. So I think that has been a shift. I think that was a lot more people used to do that, maybe going back 10, 20 years. Um, but now I think, you know, it, it's there. There's definitely a change there. Um, and, I, and I see that. Um, but I think, I think everyone's got a bit of a role to play. I think, especially if you're a girl to try and talk about your, your job and talk about what you do. I think sometimes as, as girls, your voice can sometimes be kind of nat naturally kind of squished a little bit, you know, in amongst a lot of male voices, especially online. Um, so I think it's it's super important to be able to talk confidently about what you do and, and have you have sort of belief in yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's really key. Yeah, I, I really agree with you. There was something in the, um, one of the many magazines that I read around how women don't tend to, you know, shout about their achievements, shout about yeah. their experiences. And I wonder what we could do to shift that. I think, I think with, I guess everyone being online nowadays, I think that's one of the key things that people can do. You know, you can talk about what you do online and maybe some people who, especially girls who are maybe more naturally introverted, there are other ways of them demonstrating their skills, you know, particularly in the technology industry. Um, you have amazing women that are creating applications and, you know, they're building websites and they're making all these incredible products. And maybe if you are someone who's more naturally introverted, you could you know, you could put something online or, you know, you could share your experiences in a blog or, you know, show a website that you've built or, you know, something which is, you know, you haven't got to physically raise your voice to do that. Um, so I think that's, that's one way. Um, I think also just in the workplace, I think, you know, giving other women praise for what they're doing is really, is really key. Um, as I said, I mean, even though I'm sort of in a, fairly male dominated environment especially in the last sort of three or four years there's been so many more female sales people that have come through um and I think it's really important for me to to you know to really compliment them and praise them about how well they're doing because it can be really tough um you know particularly when a lot of your clients are male and maybe you haven't you know you know you're not around a lot of guys at the time I think it's it's almost more important to say to them you know you're doing such a great job so I think yeah I think using the internet is really key and sort of using the the, the tools that are out there um and this sort of thing you know talking on a talking on a podcast as well um you know just sharing experiences because I think we probably don't don't do enough of that no absolutely and I and as you know because of speak female anyway but because 
of the experiences I've had, I'm a big believer in what you've just said there around empowering other women and praising them and saying, do you know what you're doing amazing and giving that feedback to their line managers as well. Because I don't think, and I don't know, I'd, I'd love to hear your view on this too, but I don't see enough of other women or even allies emailing other people's managers to say, hey, do you know what? I've been doing this bit of work with so-and-so. It's been amazing, blah, 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 blah really and that helps drive their, their personal development as well and I wonder what your experience has been you know personally with that kind of female empowerment female kind of encouragement from your career thus far I mean I think I think I've I've I felt fairly lucky in that I've had female line managers before and you know I've always had um people in the business that you know have been sort of shouting my name which has always been really lovely um so I've never felt like you know I I can't do this role because I'm a girl um I think if anything actually even the kind of the male line managers have had and and the senior people in the company have always been you know have always really pushed me because they really want me to see me do well as you know as an individual but especially as you know a female sales manager because we just you know we have fewer and fewer of, you know, we have fewer and fewer females that are that are kind of getting into leadership positions within technology. Um, and I think, I think, you know, personally, it's, I've had a fairly good experience. And I think that's probably what's kind of led to me being fairly confident in my role. But I'm very aware that there's maybe other people that haven't had those people that are really kind of you know, rooting for them and really shouting for them. And that's sort of what I try to do with the people that I manage and, you know, the people that I work with. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the consultants that, you know, I look after who, who go out into different roles as well, I always try and make sure that, you know, they're in an environment where they feel comfortable and where they do feel like, you know, they can kind of break to the glass ceiling and, um, and you know, be the best that they can be. Because I think there's, there's definitely um, a tendency for girls, as you said, you know, just not not to talk about what they've done well. And I think there's that sort of sometimes that that natural um, worry that if you're a if you're a woman and that you talk about good things that you do, that you come across as arrogant or you come across as cocky, you know, rather than if a guy does it, it just you know comes across as him being confident. Um, but I think as more and more girls start doing that and as more and more girls start talking about the things that they do well, it just becomes the norm. Um, and I think that's what we need to make it. We need to make it the norm to, you know, to, to be talking about the things that you've done well. And, you know, I find myself thinking the same thing, you know, all the time, you know, you think, should I post this? Should I not write this? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't talk about that great thing that we've done. Um, but you should, because I think actually then it empowers other women to do it as well. And you kind of get this cycle where, you know, you, you realize that actually as soon as everyone starts talking up, you just realize how many great things, you know, girls and women are capable of. So I think, I think it's, yeah, it's really important. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love what you've just been saying there. And because of the experiences I've had being that women in business, um, starting up my own business being in that kind of entrepreneurial space I've seen other women kind of go do you know what I've created my own business do you know what I've just landed this client and and it's not 
I never look at them with those comparisonitis glasses on. I look at them and think, yes, well done. Yeah. That gave me that confidence then to go and post, even on my LinkedIn. I was so frightened when I started Mm. posting on LinkedIn because of my IT career, then going into my business. You know, what are people going to say? And actually, since I've been posting about it, I've had nothing but praise. Mm. And it's getting over that block and getting over over that fear. So I, I wonder if that's something you've experienced or do you have any advice about how you get over those blockers and fears? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think sometimes, you know, you you look online and you do see these, these you know, women talking about amazing things like the start of their own business. And I think sometimes there's a tendency to think I can only shout about the really big stuff. You know, I can only shout if I've written a book or I've published, you know, published a, a piece or, you know, yeah, I've, I've launched my own business when actually it's about the small stuff as well. I think that's the really important thing. And, you know, even if it's just like, I made a really good deal today or, you know, I, you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, I helped out a friend or I mentored someone or, um, you know, I took the time to whatever it might be, you know, I, I think that's the thing. Those are the things that people should be posting about. Um, because you know, as inspirational as it is to see all these incredible women posting about, you know, starting their own business, it can seem a little bit daunting. Because I think sometimes you can look at that and think, "Well, oh God, the things I haven't done are nowhere near that level." But actually, if you add them all up, I think you know, people do do amazing things on a, on a daily basis. Um, and I think you know, I think what you mentioned about, you know, not having that competitiveness. I think often that. I think it goes back all the way to school years, you know, when you have, you know, girls who can be naturally, you know, a bit catty towards one another or, you know, the sort of a tendency to have rivalries between different groups of girls. And I think everyone just grows out of that as they get older. Um, but I think there's still a little bit of kind of anxiety that some women hold thinking if I post this, I'm going to be compared to someone or, you know, someone's going to, be irritated by this but actually as you said like usually it's just all praise and usually you just get people who you know share their positive stories as well so I think you know the probably device would just be you know what's the worst that can happen if you post something you know or you or you shout about something online or to your friends then you know the the, the people that really believe in you will be the people that that back you up absolutely love the question what's the worst that can happen and that's one of my favorite coaching questions that I like to share with clients when they talk about certain things I'm like well what would happen what was the worst thing that could happen there and (laughs) I'm laughing because one of my top ranking posts that I did on LinkedIn was when I just posted I say I just I just posted (laughs) a little um square of the fact that I was becoming a mentor for read women in tech and literally I had 80 people like it and it was yeah it was just a (laughs) it was almost a post that I didn't even think about yeah and that went around and so many people have seen it so exactly what you were saying those small Mm. celebrate the small stuff as well yes celebrate the big things but also celebrate the small things yeah I think definitely yeah I I I, I, yeah I think you know it's great to be using things like LinkedIn as as a platform because I think firstly you get a lot of role models on there I think you know you you do see that people shout a lot louder when they've got a platform that is just dedicated to work um, rather than maybe 
going on Instagram or going on Facebook or Twitter. Um, if it's something which is just dedicated to work, I think people feel more empowered to say to say things. Yeah. Um, and it's a great, you know, way to connect with people as well. You know, I feel very lucky in my job that I've I've managed to meet so many amazing women and people that are in really senior positions. And I think if I wasn't in the role that I was in, I probably wouldn't be having these kind of conversations with people at such a senior level. Um, but it's just been, and it's, and it's amazing to be able to actually connect with them and, you know, for them to comment on what I'm doing and vice versa. Um, and I think there's, there's, there's a bit of that that's needed as well, you know, kind of breaking down that barrier, breaking down the sort of hierarchies within a lot of companies that, you know, if, if you're someone that's very, very senior in a company that you can't influence someone who's very junior. And I think things like mentoring schemes, as you mentioned, I think really help break down that barrier. So I think that's really key. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been mentored and been a mentor, and I think it's great to do both, um, you know, to kind of share experiences. We, I think just generally, you know, we get so caught up in day-to-day work life. We don't actually take enough time to kind of stop and pause and reflect and talk about our achievements and what went well. Mm. Um, so that, I think that's something that I'm, I'm really keen on doing and continuing to do. And yes, through your kind of last five to seven years in business, because of the work that you see within tech, I wonder if you've seen any shift with the kind of diversity and inclusion and women in tech over the last, I don't know, say five years? I think there's been a really big shift. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the, I think attracting girls into technology, I think starts at a really young age. Um, I think it has to be really young. I think, you know, you need to, to be promoting technology and business among, you know, groups of teenagers, even, even younger than that sometimes, you know, to encourage people to study certain degrees, study certain, you know, subjects. I think, um, and I think, you know, funnily enough, even sometimes the, the words that we use to describe certain roles can attract girls. So, you know, for example, having something like design in a, in a job title can attract a completely different set of candidates than like engineering in a job title. Um, so I think that companies are becoming much, much more aware of this and they're really kind of proactively trying to, to get people, you know, in, into businesses and trying to make sure that they also kind of do their part, you know, with, with people coming through at a very young age from school, you know, to try and make them aware of, of the opportunities they can have. Because I think gone are the days where, you know, IT and technology is just about being a coder and sitting in your bedroom, you know, coding and being an introvert. It's so much more than that. And, you know, you can have amazing jobs in managing projects and people and technology and change. Um, and it can be really exciting. And it can also be really dynamic um, and it can be you know you can have very good relationships you know you can be involved with lots and lots of different people and you know I think that sort of awareness of, of what technology is I think has definitely changed over the last couple of years um, I think as well you know lots of different companies are becoming really aware of how important it is to have diversity of people um, so you get you know you get different ideas and you get different thoughts and you get different products essentially at the end of it as well um so I think having having a diverse you know really focusing on diversity and, and bringing in a diverse 
group of people, you know, whether that's whether that's gender, whether that's ethnicity, whether that's disability, religion, is so important because, and we need to be really proactively doing it, you know, in in that sort of in that recruitment piece to try and make sure that everyone has the same opportunities. Um, and yeah, and make sure that everyone, you know, te technology is accessible to everyone. I think that's the really key thing. Mm. And what do you think schools need to do to shift that? Um, I mean, I, I think back at sort of when I came through secondary school and being completely honest, you know, IT was just not an attractive subject to study. <laughs> you know, it was all about just creating things on Excel and, you know, putting things onto a floppy disk, which makes me feel very old now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it wasn't a, a sexy thing to, to study. <laughs> um, and I think that is often what is important for girls of that age. Um, so I think, you know, getting young girls, you know, young, young people in general, I think to spend time in these sort of companies and spend time in industry and really understand okay what is it these people do you know what is it that I'm going to be doing if I get a role in this type of company I think it's really key um and I think as I said as well I think it's you know it, it's moving away from just you know being IT and about you know coding and around you know just being the sort of person who wants to be in front of a computer all day but actually you know making young people aware of, of the different roles that are available mm -hmm. and saying actually if you're an introvert or an extrovert if you like you know uh, website design or if you like um, being creative or you know you like processes or you like you know that anything technology is involved with all kinds of jobs now um, you know whether you're going into a fashion industry or whether you're going into the publishing industry or whether you're in a media company you know whatever it is technology will be affecting you so I think I think we just need to stop seeing it as you know you study IT at college or you study IT you know at school and that's the one role for you is that actually no matter what job you do you're going to be affected by by technology and you're going to be you're going to be in that world so um you know I really think it should almost be like a compulsory thing for people to learn about in school because because they're going to be using it at some time and you know it, it you know it just I think yeah it needs to be made people need to be made aware that whatever they do is going to touch technology when they're older. Mm. And when you were just talking about your experience there it's probably slightly different now but when I think back to when I was at school people I you know I come from slightly at that time being slightly underprivileged I didn't have access to a computer I now nowadays every kid has access probably to a computer <laughs> or a mobile phone or something like yeah. that but back then it wasn't easily accessible to me and I just remember the school never really doing anything about it for perhaps the underprivileged children and um mm. And I think that that shift still needs to kind of happen that we should be allowing kids to you know even in their you know, English lessons to, you know, maybe use a laptop or um, science lessons to use a computer as well. And I just, you know, and something that's coming up for me, and I've not thought about this for bloody years, <laughs> was I just remember the teacher being like, oh, you know, Lucy's typing skills aren't very quick, da, da, da. And I just thought, well, that's because I don't have a computer at home. <laughs> and like, this is why. And, yeah. um, and then I remember my mum getting down the typewriter and I was like practicing on the typewriter, you know. <laughs> 
but I just you know thinking about schools and education and you're right just making it a little bit more attractive you know not just mm. using it in IT and you're 100% saying you know it's not just about coding long of the days where it's just about in dark room in the basement is 100% about you know processes improvement managing teams every person that does a job now uses a computer yeah no so, definitely I was thinking actually about I was watching um the IT crowd the other day and that's you know the stereotypical you know <laughs> IT team that are sat in the basement which you know is, is a brilliant show but um you know I, I think there's probably more that needs to be done and by the sort of media industry as well to mm-hmm. you know to, to actually show people in technology roles that are yeah that are attractive and that people want to go into rather than people watching those sort of shows and thinking I don't want a career in IT I don't want to be stuck in a basement somewhere yeah um but yeah I yeah it's interesting you know what you say about um you know about certain people having access to technology because I think there is still that sort of big socioeconomic barrier between you know some kids that grow up and they have iPads you know in on their desks from the age of four or five um you know all the way through to people you know who still can't afford textbooks sometimes mm. and that's you know I think a big a big pressure on the government to be able to make as I mentioned so you know technology really accessible for everyone um I think the good thing is that nowadays there are a lot of companies that you know will offer kind of training and you know will, will really focus on maybe people that haven't come from such privileged backgrounds and will offer them the you know, the, the sort of the chance to to kind of get up to the same standards as everyone else so everyone's on the same playing field I think that's that's what's really key um and I I think that kind of gone are the days you know when maybe you had to know someone to know someone to know someone to get into a company um I think people are realizing that actually everyone's got a part to play in if you've got a role available, making sure that people from all kinds of backgrounds can apply for that role and that you're not giving, you know, giving an advantage to someone who maybe has, you know, come from a very well-educated, you know, privileged background when they've had access to that, that iPad from age four, they're not giving them the advantage over someone else that maybe hasn't had that. Um, Because, you know, otherwise you kind of get, you know, generations of, of, of people that, um, all have you know, the same sort of thoughts and all have the same you know all think the same way and you know you need to have that diversity in, in a company to be able to you know to have different ideas and and you know essentially for the for that company to do to do better yeah and you just talk about recruitment then it made me think about as little as two three years ago there was questions on um I can't think of the right terminology and, I'll, and you'll say it in a minute kind of you know the, <laughs> the kind of inclusion questions at the end we have to say your age or your sex blah 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 yeah. there mm. was um questions on there like did you go and do a degree are you mm. the first person in your family that's done a degree did you go to a state school or a private school and there was all of these questions as little as just two years ago and mm. you look at them and I would be applying for a job and I'd be like, well, I'm actually not going to apply for this job now because why would it matter with what school I went to or what university I went to or whether I got a degree or not? Yeah. And I wonder if you've seen that shift or change at all within the industry that you're in. Yeah, I think I think a lot of companies are becoming much more aware of... I, th- I, th- I think a lot of companies are... They, they want to record the data of people that come into the company but I think it, it must sort of be used for or against that application I think that's that's the balance 
Um, so I do think that a lot of people applying for these jobs, you know, that they should feel like, you know, they're getting the same opportunities as, as someone else maybe hasn't had the same background as them, but they shouldn't feel obligated to kind of put down these details as well. Mm. So it's about companies using it properly, using the information without discriminating against people I think that's the really key thing yeah I think you know there's a real sort of focus on companies you know needing to record you know how many people as you said are the first person in the family to go to university or you know maybe have um come from you know come from a slightly different background but I think as you know as long as that's not affecting that person's application to get into the company as long as you know they're not sort of being prioritized or not being prioritized because of those those details I think that's that's sort of where that balance lies mm. um and I think it's difficult for you know it's difficult for companies I think to you know because there's a really big push to now bring like lots of girls into companies and you know to bring lots of um you know people from different backgrounds in, into organizations um but you know you obviously have to still be very fair in that recruitment process and that is, yeah, it's a, trif- it's a difficult balance, I think, for people to, to get right. But I think the key thing is just to, you know, to, to make the, the, that recruitment process as, as sort of inclusive as you possibly can. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that, you know, we've, we've started trialing, you know, in, in the things like, you know, taking names off of CVs and, you know, seeing if that makes a difference just because then, you know, you have, it's about removing, I think, all the biases that you can possibly have, yeah. um, which there's still going to be some, um, everyone has some kind of bias, but I think removing as much bias as you possibly can, um, you know, for example, you might not need someone's grade when they've, you know, when on their degree certificate, you might need, not need someone's, you know, where they actually went to university, you might want to know what they studied, but, you know, you might not need to know if they're a girl or a boy you might not need to know what their grade has and I think that sort of thing has a real impact as well yeah. um because I think it's so easy for lots of companies nowadays to you know to look at um grades for example and to just say well we'll just take someone with a first class degree and you know that that really limits the kind of people that you're going to get in so I think that there's definitely been sort of a shift towards more inclusive recruitment processes but I don't think we're we're quite there yet I also think it's a quite exciting that we are getting there though because I've definitely seen a shift as a hiring manager over the last few years of the types of candidates that I get through now um I'm even getting CVs with no names on them and it's you know and even like dates and grades have been removed mm. too so I'm pleased that I'm seeing things like that and it's just like this person was at this job for this many months and this did all years etc instead of putting those dates on there and I think it's been so nice and refreshing to again trying to take away some of because we all have it we all mm. are slightly biased towards certain things so I feel really positive from what you're saying there as well about the changes in recruitment going forwards yeah no I think me too yeah definitely I think it's just it's giving as you said sort of people people accesses people access to jobs they might not already have access to or they might not consider themselves you know consider themselves a good fit for I think I was I was reading somewhere a little while ago that, you know, if you have a girl who's applying for a female that's applying for a job, then they often won't apply for it unless they hit, I think it's 90% of the things in the job spec, whereas men will apply for that job if they hit 50%. Yeah. So, 
you know, it's, I think that's interesting as it is, you know, why we feel like, you know, we have to hit all of those points. I think it's that sort of perfectionist within a lot of, a lot of women. Um, But I think even that in itself, you know, means that then companies have a responsibility to make sure that the things that they are putting on, on job specs and, you know, the way that they attract people um, is, is very inclusive. So, I think more and more I've seen a shift towards sort of different um, job roles being advertised as a lot more open, a bit more vague, you know, sort of less of you have to have three, yeah. four, five experience in doing this, this and this, and more, you know, about soft skills and more about, you know, um, you know other characteristics, which will naturally, I think, make a lot more girls apply for those roles. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting. And I'd love to kind of look into the, the psychology behind why, you know, why women feel that way. Um, I think that yeah, can be another episode for us to look into. <laughs> and I just want to quickly say, you know, all the bullet points that you see on job specs and, and 100% what you say, you know, you're, you're probably like the millionth woman that said this to me around, you know, that women have to have 100% of the job spec before they even apply. But most of those bullet points are just a load of fluff. And, you know, been there done it I've created job specs and because it's not been long Mm. enough I've just had to put some bullet points in there to fluff it out you know and it's true so I urge anyone listening to this uh, males or females listening to this podcast that if you're applying for a job really look at it with kind of I want to say like rose tinted glasses yeah but like keep really open-minded about it because you don't need to hit every milestone and plus you also the job if you don't have the skill have this job to gain that skill yeah and I don't think I know any any girl that's gone into a role thinking I have all the qualities to hit this job spec I I you know I hit every single mark I think yeah. you know most most people that I know that have gone into roles have often been like wow you know I can't believe I've got this role that's amazing yeah. um which um <laughs> which you know is is we probably should be more optimistic <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, th- I think there's there's a real tendency for you know for, for for girls to be more hesitant in terms of applying for new things um when they really shouldn't be and it comes back to what you said you know like what's the worst that can happen it's yeah. you know in that you you aren't successful in which case you, you learn from that experience yeah Absolutely love that. So Yaz, before I let you go today, I wanted to ask you one last question. Yeah. How can we inspire more women in the workplace? I think, I think there's a couple of different things. I think one of the things that we touched upon earlier, I think is about talking about your achievements. Um, I think it's also really important to have really good role models, um, I think in whatever you do. Um, and I think if you're a female in a leadership position, then I think you really have, you really have a chance to sort of use your voice and to, you know, to, to kind of inspire more people. Um, I think it's from, from everything, as I said, mentioned, you know, about sort of just posting online and, you know, being more vocal with what you've done to um you know talking talking to young girls you know talking about what do you think what are their barriers you know to getting into work um talking about mental health you know talking about you know the, the difficulties that women feel you know that they have in, in sort of breaking into a you know a new job or you know going to business and 
I think just communication is really key. You know, I think it's, I think it's really, really important. I think it's something where even things like doing this, you know, speaking on these kind of podcasts, you know, you, you just start to realize how amazing women there are. Um, and I think also, you know, not being afraid to, to call something out if you don't think it's right, I think it's really important as well. Um, I think, you know, what, what I've kind of seen is over, over time, I think, you know, you do sort of start to sort of realize that there's often, you know, banter in the workplace that you have naturally, but, you know, things do kind of creep over the line and things are said sometimes which aren't always, you know, the most respectful. And I think it is important to also call those things out. I think that's really key because we need to shift, shift, you know, everyone's point of view and to make sure that, you know, it's, it's an equal workplace for everyone. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to kind of end on saying is that I, I think I saw something the other day that was saying that, um, there was more, there's more um, CEOs called John than there are female CEOs. Wow. Which is amazing. It's, it, it, it just blows my mind, doesn't it? So I just think, you know, if you're any kind of woman in any kind of leadership position, you know, you have, you know, you have the power to change that. And I think, you know, we all, yeah, we all have a part to play, um, no matter how, how senior or how junior you are you know, to, to get more, you know, girls into those CEO positions. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Changing that face of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Brilliant. Yes, thank you so much for joining me on Speak Female It's been a today. pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. I really loved it. And thank you to you for listening today. In summary, Yaz and I have talked about inspiring women in the workplace, what it's like being a woman in a sales environment battling against the masculine sales norms as well as looking at women in tech and the changes in recruitment. It would be great if you could subscribe if you haven't done so already, share Speak Female across your networks and also leave a review. This helps spread the message and the more people we can reach the better. Check out the podcast notes where you can find my contact details, details for Yaz and how you can sign up to the coaching newsletter hub. And in the words of RBG, women belong in all places but decisions are being made. It shouldn't be that women are the exception. See you next episode.